Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glut. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Leah V is an author and model. Out now is her book, Unashamed, Musings of a Fat Black Muslim. You can find her on Instagram at lvernon2000. Leah V, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to see what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to talk to you about so many different things. Um, I mean, we could talk about your book. We could talk about you being a hijab model. We could talk about body positivity. I think like for me personally, I'm interested in, in all that stuff. For me personally, the thing that... Um, resonates more than anything is body positivity simply because I have none of it and I've been very overweight and had less than I have now but mm -hmm. even having like achieved all of my fitness goals I still find myself being very self-critical so I'm super yeah. curious about that and wondering if that is something innate or that is something you work at I mean I've, those are that's I'm like I'm interested in you Leah yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, like I have been up and down, up and down on my weight. Um, I think I am the biggest I've been in a minute. Um, and so, but it was actually really funny. I actually lost a, a shit ton of weight when I was 17 through uh, eating disorders. And um, it was a really bad time for me. Um, you know, growing up as like a fat black Muslim, you are already seen as, you know, all these things unworthy, you know, all, all this stuff coming from not only the Muslim community, but just society, you know, in and of itself. So I always had body issues and stuff like that. And so when I lost a shit ton of weight, I thought that that was going to give me the confidence that I needed. And when I tell you, and I think only fat people who have lost a lot of weight understand this body dysmorphia, but I was, I think, 
more self-conscious as a smaller person than I was as a bigger person. And I just thought it was going to magically go away and this confidence was going to magically happen. And I didn't find out until um, I was just so tired of the eating disorder activities. Uh, I was like in the middle of my marriage. And one day I was like, what would happen if you were like, okay with the body you had right now? Like what would happen if we just like stopped we unpeeled these layers of being unworthy and ugly um, at a small size or a big size. Like what would happen if you just cut that shit out and you start to appreciate the body that you're in right now and how it looks and feels right now. And it was never just like an upward heel of like, Oh my God, I'm so confident. It was definitely low lows and high highs. But I think once I started to kind of redirect my mindset um, into like the body positive movement and like how that, thought process is like, I can still live my best life right now. I think that that opened the world up for me um, and, and how I viewed my body. And so, although I will say that people look at me and they're like, oh, like she's so confident. She wears colors and, you know, she's a big girl doing her thing. I still have very low lows. We're like, you're fat. You ain't nothing. You're fat. You'll never get anywhere in life. I still have that. And I've accomplished it a lot as a fat person, but it never goes away. It's always a something in the back of your head. Like, am I worthy because of my body size? And it's, and it takes effort. Like, I mean, I guess that's the, the thing I've met people and, and not associating them with body size at all, but I've met people who are just confident people. And, right. and I've been jealous of that. Like, wow, that guy has a lot of confidence and I don't have a lot of confidence. And I bet life would be better if I did, because if you're confident, you're just perceiving things as going your way and, and good. Like that's a nice perception to have. Um, and so when I try to do it, I always feel a little bit like a phony at first, but then I, I can find stuff about myself that I don't despise so much. And then I try to build on that. Like I find one body part that I don't think is repulsive and I go like, okay, well, if that's not repulsive, what else is not repulsive? Maybe, you know, what am I capable of and all of that? Um, but I, but I am impressed by people who have confidence and I think that it's, you know, like I, I, I don't see, much beneficial from people walking around feeling ashamed. I, I don't think societally we get anywhere doing that. Mm, that is that is super deep. And so like to, to loop back around because I like to uh, go off tangents uh, <laughs> to like is uh, confidence innate or something that you learn. And I do feel that I will say because I'm a Leo, I believe in astrology. Okay. And I, I think Leos are very much so very like look at me like it's all about me like drama and like an experience and so I will say I've always had that and like it goes to your point where it's like okay you feel like a phony uh I definitely have had those moments but I've learned to be a good actress yeah and to understand that when I walk into a room if my head was down and my shoulders were slumped and I was wearing black you know I would be seen as the stereotypical fatty but now when I walk into a room, I learned that confidence oozes off of you. And I think that I um, still feel like a phony in a way, but I've taken people that I think are very, very confident and kind of embodied what that looks like, not only externally, but internally. So I really love like Cher, right? Cher doesn't give a damn about what anybody got to say. Like you can, you interviews, outfits, never gave a damn never will give a damn. She was dating a, a, a guy 30 years younger than her. She's like, okay, and I'm Cher and I'm doing it. And so I, I 
I look at Cher's life and, and how she wore what she wanted to wear and sung how she wanted to sing and loved who she wanted to love. And I embody those things. Like, what would Cher do? Like, you know, how, how would she flip that hair? Like, you know, would she just be like in an interview talking shit? Like, what would she do? And I take like, these icons, um, not just like celebrity icons, but regular people that I feel like are confident. And I look at how they move, how they talk, how they enter a room. And I think that that's helped me kind of embody that into my own Leah V um, type of confidence. And so when I do walk into a room, I might not feel confident, but people and strangers have literally stopped and turned like, who is she? What's happening? And so I, I was able to embody that. And I think that is definitely innate, but I do think it can be learned as well. Yeah. Yeah. It um something you said earlier, um, which was you you lost all the weight, you expected this change to happen. I've I've done it so many times. I've I mean, in the past uh 20 years, I've lost a hundred pounds or more, uh, you know, four or five times. Wow. And and that was always kind of the goal I was waiting for. I was waiting for all my psychological baggage to go away because I attributed it all to my weight. And the the mystery that I've finally solved is that my weight is not going to make any of that go away. You know, um, I, I do feel better having set a goal and achieved a goal like that. I can say like, good. Yes, I feel good about that, but it hasn't made me just happy. You know, there's no, I'm not walking around every day going, well, I'm just happy now. I don't have to worry about anything else. That doesn't happen. But I think that this is uh, probably a common misconception that a lot of people deal with where they think that life is going to change in some really dramatic way. And then it just really doesn't. Yeah. You know? So I will say, because like the world is fat phobic, that's a given. Um, you know, if I go to the doctor's office for, I don't know, a limb falling off, they're like, you think it's because you're fat? Like, <laughs> so I will say that is 100% true. But on the other aspect, on the other end, um, the world does kind of change a little bit for you, not necessarily internally, like with a, oh, like I'm confident now, or like, oh, I have a, a you know, some, some baggage that I need to get some therapy for, or have a support system for, but there are like external things that happen when you get thin, like we see it with celebrities, like, especially focus on the women celebrities, they will sit there and hype up and be like, oh, this celebrity lost like 80 pounds, like, you know, da da da. now she's so felt and now she's this. And before when she was like bigger or thicker, they're taking like unflattering angles of them or they're just making like jokes and stuff about what they're wearing. So I will say internally, definitely, there is probably not so much change that we expect. But externally, I think life does get better because society is fat phobic. So life does get better for people um, when they lose a shit ton of weight. Like it is like the world opens up for you, like jobs and dating even. Like, you know, my dating pool is like shrinks because nobody wants to see, you know, be seen with a fat girl. Like, and so and I've had guys say stuff or try to date me uh, on the low low because their friends are going to make fun of them because they're with somebody who's bigger. So it's, 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 it's a mind fuck. Oops, sorry. I don't have the glasses. No, you can, you can say anything you want. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm, I like to, I'm going to have a seller mouth, but yeah, it's a mind fuck. Cause it's like, damn, like I am trying to do good, like inside my body and trying to like, you know, stay, have confidence and build the confidence and, and dress nice and speak nice and do all the right things. But then someone will come in your face and like, Hey, no, cause you're fat. And I'm like, what? 
<laughs> like, wow, that's crazy to me. I just, I'll never be able to get over that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I definitely had um, a, a rough time as a kid, but I think that my experience is different simply because I was married or I, we weren't married, but I was with a girl who I'm still with. We're now grandparents. When I really started to try to change my life around, I'm also an addict. Like I have a lot that I have to work on with myself. Um, I'm sober. I'm constantly working, doing self-work, right. And self-care and stuff like that. Um, so oh, I lost weight a number of times and I've kept it off for five years. I'm not interested in the dating pool. Like I don't walk out my door. That's no longer like when I was 18, this would have been a major factor. I would have been paying attention. Like how are girls treating me different? I don't see any of that. And as an actor, I established myself as a big guy. So it actually was hard for a while to find work in a smaller body. So I had like almost the opposite societal reaction. I have people coming up to me going, you were much funnier when you were bigger and we loved you more when you were big. Yeah. Like I have truly the opposite experience, but the stuff that I, feel when I'm down on myself, I'm down on myself just as much and I have to work my way out of it. And and like I see people like you who are exuding confidence, like you said, it's infectious and I want some of it. Like I go like, she's got it. She's got the secret. I want to I want to harness that or figure it out somehow because I just think that even if it, even if I am doing it fake, you know, you can sometimes uh, force yourself to laugh and find yourself laughing eventually. You, you know, it, it's it's one of these things of fake it till you make it. I, I believe that. I believe that if we practice something, even if we don't feel that it's legitimate, eventually it will become legitimate if it's a part of our behavior. Yeah, I I I hundred percent agree. I do believe it, and I think also having people around you that kind of like harness that type of energy because a lot of my friends you know it's funny how my like I'm 30 I'm about to be 36 next month and you know I've lived a lot of life I've done a lot of things and so um in in a fat body you know um I've done more things in a fat body than I have in a thinner body you know um and so the people that I had around me when I was like fat and younger were absolutely horrific. <laughs> like they would, I remember one of my uh, thin friend of me saying, cause you know, I used to try to wear color and she was like, well, I don't know why you fat girls always want to uh, be seen. You know, I don't understand why you guys want to always wear color. And I'm like, you know, now I, I, I'm, I'm a sassy, you know, <laughs> like big mouth black woman. But before I didn't know how to respond to that because I'm just like, why does why is it an issue when when I'm confident? Um, and so now I have a community of people of like queer people and thin people and like other fats who are just like, yes, you are the female, you are the the Muslim Beyonce. And so like I have people around me who are like when I'm just like, oh, I'm ugly or oh, like I don't feel like beautiful today or 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 I don't feel confident today in my own skin. They're like, absolutely not. Let's rewind it. Let's bring it back to the things you've done the things that people haven't seen that you've worked towards. And I think having a cheering section um, has helped me, but I will say that everyone doesn't have a cheering section or is not blessed to have a cheering section. So what do you do if you're not confident? And I always tell people, you have to be your own fucking cheering section at the end of the day, because if you don't have a support system like me, or maybe like you and has a, have a wonderful family and friends, like 
you have to be your own cheering section because not everybody's going to be like, yay, you, you look good in your body. You feel great in your body. Like, you know what I mean? So I, it, it, it definitely comes to like the work that people are doing internally when other people don't see it. Cause that's honestly going to make the most difference. Like, yeah, walk into a room with your makeup on it and a fantastic dress. Okay, cool. But what about those days when you're in the kitchen making breakfast and you're just like, I hate everything about myself. Like yeah. what is going to happen then who's going to be cheering for you then. So it's super internal stuff that you have to constantly be aware of and constantly remind yourself. Like you said before, pick a part of your body. That's okay. This is great. We're going to focus on that today. Not the rest of the ugliness and, and that it, it, you keep doing it. It becomes, you flex that muscle. You work that muscle. Yeah. I think, I think that that this is one of the, and I've had this conversation with my kids and it, it gets tricky to talk about because Maybe I just don't have the language because I'm not a psychologist and I don't know all the descriptions of the way the mind works and the brain and all of that. But like, I do think of this idea that like our thoughts are truth or our thoughts are real. And then I think, no, that's garbage, because if I work hard at it, I can think of something else, you know, and so I've even written down like I find a thought that is going to make me happy no matter what or or has some sense of joy surrounding it, like the birth of one of my children. And I write that down. Think of this day. I write the time, the date. Think of this day. And when I'm down, if I look at that, I'm forced to think of it, right? And I have now thought of something else. And it's almost like this battle of two uh, Goliaths in my head of like the dark thought and the light thought duking it out and which one's going to win. And I'm, am I going to be dark that day and sad or am I going to be like positive and upbeat? And like, I don't always win, but I I do know it's possible to change the way you feel because I've done it. You know, it's not super easy all the time, but I've done it. And I think um, when you talk about having external uh, pressures on that, like a cheering section and, and having to be your own cheering section, like I, I would not be sober today if I didn't have a group of sober people that I fell back on when I was having difficulty and I didn't I, I guess I used my family in that way for weight loss and stuff like that. But I think you can clobber that together. And if you can't, if you are an island or on an island alone and you have to do it yourself, you got to figure out some way to do it or just be resigned to misery. Yeah. Like that's literally it's just like I think people sometimes are always wanting the answer. Um, and a lot of times the answer is right in front of you or inside of you. Right. Uh, people ask me questions all the time that, you know, they're like, oh, you, you've done this stuff. And so, you know, give me the answer, the direct answer to this problem. And I'm like, honestly, it's going to take you. And a lot of people are not ready for that conversation. They want to constantly, you know, figure out like, OK, what's the easy way to do this? Like, you know, with weight loss, there's no even if you have weight loss surgery, you still have to lose a little bit of weight before that. Yeah. You still have to maintain that body. With the BBL, you got to maintain that BBL. Like you, you got to maintain whatever you just did to your body, whether it's natural or or surgery. You have to put in the work, and so there's. I don't no know what BBL but, is. What's oh, BBL? Uh, it's a Brazilian butt lift. So everyone's okay. getting everyone's getting the BBL now. Everyone's the Kardashian to, look. Yes, everyone's the, the butt. You have to maintain that BBL. You can't just get a butt and then be like, oh hey, I have a butt now. Like no, it has to be maintained. <laughs> and everybody wants the quick way to things. And it's just like, no, it could take you a year, two years, three years, maybe. Um, there's no 
secret answer to anything in the world, honestly. And yeah. so, but, but a lot of times those answers are within you, you know, the answer, you're just trying to ask all these questions so that you can kind of, you know, get the easy route to something. It doesn't, life doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I think that the, the actual work, I think under any circumstances, it, it, life requires work. It requires effort. Like I feel very apathetic sometimes. And that's where I get in trouble. Like, like days where I don't want to get out of bed. That's like as dangerous as my life really gets. And obviously I've driven a car and you know, America's not the safest place maybe on earth, but where's safe. Um, but for me, it's apathy and like getting sucked into my phone and, and, and like just avoiding hard work, which is what I find, uh, is the best I feel is when I do something difficult mm -hmm. that always feels good to me. What were the, you said growing up Muslim had uh, further compounded this. How did that work? Cause I, I also don't know a lot about Islam and culturally what that's like for kids, yeah. especially. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's so many layers to it. And I feel like a lot of like, so I'm an African-American Muslim. Uh, you have your African Muslims, you have your white converts and you have like your European Muslims. So there's so many different types of Muslims. Um, but I will say when it comes to like organized religion, that people just don't feel comfortable speaking to outsiders. So a lot of people don't necessarily know how a lot of the complexities and layers in Islam works because we don't feel comfortable talking about it. Um, I am an artist and a writer and a model. So I, you know, feel comfortable talking to different people about my perspective. And so, yeah, growing up Muslim um, and, and being plus size and, and, and figuring out the woman versus the man role in society and religion in the household it really messed with me, you know? Um, I am still very much so, you know, Muslim. I had to find it for myself and not what how other people put it on me. Like, oh, you should be Muslim because of this. Like, no, no, I'm Muslim because I want to be and I'm the kind of Muslim that I want to be. I go by my own rules. And so, um, yeah, growing up Muslim, it just was, and then also being fat, you know, and then having to cover your body and then wear hijab. It was definitely a lot of, just, I didn't feel confident. You know, I, I grew up in a Muslim home, but everybody else outside didn't know what a Muslim was or, you know, looked at us funny, made fun of us or just didn't get it. So I felt very much so always out, out like an outcast. And, and I think that's why I'm an artist and a writer now and a storyteller now is because when I felt like I was being outcast and no one got me and I didn't get my myself, I delve into books and stories. And, and I think that's why my imagination is so ridiculous now, because I would pretend to be other characters, you know, to get away from my mentally ill mom, to to get away from, you know, my father not being there when he was there fat shaming me and, and shaming me about my hijab um, to get away from the kids who would make fun of me on the block because I, I wore a hijab. And so I would create these characters and scenarios to to to, to buffer myself, you know, to truly live. And it was funny because one of the characters that I used to pretend that I was, was um, Alicia Silverstone from Clueless. Uh, she was just like everything to me. And I just always would, would pretend that I would be in her, her, her position. And so that that character got me through a lot. <laughs> so I was, like that character because she she had confidence. She was a cool girl, but she was yeah. also really nice. Yes. I you liked know? her. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop and her to be more like the Mean Girls in the Mean Girls movie or Heather's or something like that. But she was nice. That was a nice character. Yeah. And I wanted to be her so bad. Uh, now, now that I'm older and, um, you know, I see how problematic that is because she was a thin white girl. Right. With the rich daddy. I had none of those things. And so now it's just like now I'm older. Like I want I, like I want to be the, that role model for for another girl who looks like me or similar to me. Where it's like, OK, I, I, we look like each other. And now you have an actual true representation of somebody who, you know, can be fun and cool and sexy and be the main character. You know, so things are changing in that way where I think other people can like find people who look similar to them or or been through the same thing as them and see them as like, OK, this is my hope. You know? Yeah. 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 I think that's necessary. And I think that, you know, I, I will say culturally, I do think it's becoming less and less acceptable to make fun of fat people. And I see more and more little girls wearing revealing outfits or like confident in a bathing suit where I never took my shirt off at the beach as a kid. Y you know, like that was my reality as a kid. It was like, you know, is 40 plus years ago but i but it but it i I, f I felt such a deep sense of shame about my body and i do see more kids who are overweight who don't have that shame and it's a relief for me when i see that um because it's it's just not worth it you, you know like hold up what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's just, I just don't think it's worth it. It doesn't benefit anyone because we had the shame and a lot of people got fatter. So what, what did it do? It didn't solve the problem, <laughs> you know? They did. <laughs> they definitely did. And it's funny you use that word shame because like, uh, I, that's like a key word for me, not shame, but unashamed. Right. Yes. And that's why like my memoirs, unashamed musings of a fat black Muslim, because like, I think that word is so 
prevalent to well, a lot of people uh, who share the marginalized identities like of being fat of being african-american of being uh you know queer or whatever the case may be or um you know not able-bodied like it's just this shame that surrounds a lot of these topics conversations um and i always tell people people are like oh well how can i be an ally for people like you or people who share your identities and i always tell them like it's the ones who look the opposite who have the most power so if I'm in a room screaming like, yes, body positivity, this is this, they're like, oh, shut up, you fatty. But if a thin woman who's preferably a white woman screams it, then it's like, oh, my God, let's listen to this. And so you now have the privilege and power to stick up for people who are below you. That's just how it works. Like I have privilege as well. Like I'm on the lighter end of being black. I'm educated. I have two masters. Um I'm shaped like bottom heavy. So versus someone who's apple shaped or bigger on the top and smaller on the bottom, I have privileges too. So now I have to take those privileges privileges and uplift the ones who are below me. And so I think it just comes to that's what being an ally is, is truly helping people passing the mic who don't necessarily have a voice. And so I think it's very crucial, you know, that we talk about shame and allyship and um and all and worth and, and things of that nature because like those are very key words yeah is that what so that's what your book's about unashamed it's like a guide to your experience um i would say it's more of a memoir okay um, there are books out there that are like oh guide to being confident or guide to not being fat phobic but mine was literally i was very in a dark place in my life i had got went through a very messy divorce where i was left with nothing um and I had to reinvent myself. You know, I had the education. I had these things, but I didn't have money. I didn't have, he left me with nothing, no home, nothing, just closing my back. And I was in pain, you know, I was hurting and I was tired of like Muslim people. I was tired of white people. I was tired of skinny people. I was just tired of my mother. And like, I was tired of everybody. And I'm like, okay, so you can sit here in your misery or you can like let it out. And I literally, I always tell people, I vomited on the page, like just all the stories about people who affected me and how I was affected by these people. As someone who's constantly silenced in the media, I wanted to tell my story on my terms. And so, yeah, I wrote a story about how what happened from birth up until me becoming a social media influencer and kind of a little bit blowing up from that. And so it's a journey of, you know, learning how to not carry that shame through all these decades, you know, and carry like the issues of my grandma and my mother and my ex and the community and society and basically how to bloom and how to light that flame that's already inside each of us. So it's definitely, it's, it's, it's a tearjerker. Uh, and it's, and it shows you like just the life of somebody who you just maybe never experienced, you know, of a fat black Muslim. Like how many people get insights on the life of somebody who looks like me? It's not many. Yeah, so. no, no, it's not. You know, I, I, I feel like I look at you and not knowing any of that. I'm just like, you have that confidence where I'm like, I want some of that. How do yeah. I get, how, how do I get <laughs> some of that? And then, I, you know, and then it is honestly a bit of a relief to hear that it's not innate, because if it's not innate, then that gives me hope that I can find some. You know what I mean? And I do believe that these things can be contagious. And so your confidence can bleed into me a little bit. And then 
you know, I'll feel like a phony for a long time and maybe I'll have some confidence and that could bleed into somebody. But I do think it is contagious in that way. And I do think that it is important for, you know, just just because the alternative is we're doing nothing and we're miserable. Why not be happy? That's true. I, I definitely agree. And it's crazy because you might think that way about yourself, but there are probably hundreds, if not thousands of people who look at you or listen to your podcast or look at what you've done and be like, wow, I want to be like that guy. You know what I mean? I think it's just like, especially because like I'm an influencer. I'm trying to get away from that. Anyway, uh, you're an author, Leah. You're an I author. Am a, I am. And I, I'm, I'm going to start leading with that. But uh, like as a, you know, an author creator, creator. Uh, I think people like there, I, I get so, I might be feeling like absolute crap. And I get this letter from this white grandma in Wisconsin who's like, oh my God, yes, fat, black, and Muslim. Like you give me, you know, the fire to do what I got to do with my life. And I love it. And I, I wear, I wear colors now. And just like, I get, I get these, these messages and stuff like that. And I don't necessarily feel like maybe men get the same amount of like messages. I, I, so I do want to say that I feel like women are more like, yes, do your thing. We love it. This is how you affect us. And I feel like sometimes for men, they don't get that saying like, oh, that's a really nice shirt or, oh, you look handsome today or, oh, you smell really good. So I feel like sometimes it it could be um, that like maybe, you know, you probably do affect people in the way, but you just don't know it. And I think that that also like helps build confidence, like because somebody's looking at you and like, I want that. Like I, I want his family or I want him losing 100 pounds or I want this that he has a podcast. So I feel like we also need to, um, you know, understand that we are somebody's role model, you know, yes. No, I no, you are absolutely right. And and I I did do something hard and I and I know that that can be inspirational. Totally. I guess m mostly it's that I failed so many times because I was looking for something to occur that wasn't occurring. And I think that thing just has to be worked on separately. I think it's a completely different thing. I think it's really more what you're talking about. Um which I thought would just happen, you know, like when I lost uh, a certain number of pounds, I just was waiting for it, like a click, like I'm going to be a different person. And I was the same person and I was uncomfortable with myself. And and then I even once got much thinner than I am now, like unhealthy thin, not quite unhealthy, but like so thin that I, I had like a, an existential crisis almost with like, I, I don't like, I actually didn't like being that small. I, I felt like, uh, it just didn't feel right to me. And so I had to start lifting weights. Like it was this, it's just been crazy to try to just to try to feel like, and I hate this word normal, but yeah. to try to feel normal, you know? Mm. And I suppose that's why so many people take pills is just looking for some sense of normalcy what the fuck is normal who's normal everybody's unique so there's no normal you know it's like a crazy thing to try to hunt for it is a crazy thing and i think like once i i think once you start also being around a bunch of like honestly i would tell people this queer people have saved my life so a lot of people think that i'm queer and i, I uh you know it's, it's everything's on a spectrum of course everybody's a little gay to me <laughs> and i think Honestly, queer people have saved my life because they just don't give a damn. They're like, we're going to be out here with the rainbows and like lollipops and just running and being themselves unapologetically. And I think I've gotten a lot of confidence from also learning how like queer people move. And they've 
inducted me into their their lifestyle, into their lives, into their homes, and have taught me a lot about just finding that internal thing that makes you happy and true to yourself at the same time. And I think a lot of people, there's a lot of like political stuff. I'm not going to get into that, but a lot of stuff happening where it's like they're trying to be blocked from living in their truths when us normal folk could take and use a thing or two about living in your truth and living how you want to live and being okay with that. Um, And so, and, and kind of squashing that normal quote unquote normal thing. Cause like, you're right. What is that? It's, it's a, it's a construct. And I think when people see queer people are so angry is because they're, they're projecting, like, I want to live in my truth and I can't, whatever that truth is. And so I've, I always give them all the flowers because they've, they've, they've helped my cis head ass to live in my truth and to be unapologetic about it. Um, and so I always tell people like, you know, you will be a lot happier if you lived in your truth, whatever that is, as long as it's not like harmful to other people. Now that's a different thing, but like living your truth is something that is the most freeing thing. And I wish that upon everybody on this planet is to live truly how they want to live. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I I've always felt very strongly that the only thing I could be sure of and, and, and I say that. And in a, not an absolute term, because I'm constantly learning new things and my point of view and perspective is changing all the time. But the only thing that I could be really sure of is my own understanding of stuff. I can't ever assume anyone is perfectly lined up with the way I see the world. And so I will try very hard to enter into another perspective, but I even do that going like I'm trying to see their perspective through my perspective. So it's never going to be perfect, but I'm going to give that person the right to have a different idea about things, a different viewpoint. It, it became most apparent to me as a father because, you know, you call kids, my, I call them my kids, they're my kids, but they're also human beings. And so I had early on these ideas about the way they should be. Mm. And, and, you know, this isn't some broad thing where I had to struggle with something really huge that some parents have to go through, but even down to like what I think they should major in, in college where they, they have a different idea of what they want to do. And, and like, at some point I had to go like, well, wait a second, I, I helped create these kids, but they're also just people. They have nothing. They, they're just other people, too. And they have to have that right to their own reality, their own perspective. And that that frees me up because I, I, I'm with you, man. I, I, I really just think that, you know, holding on to some sense of like everything has to be a certain way. That doesn't make sense to me because nothing really has to be any way at all. Mm-hmm. Which is like such a, like, I think as you get older, you understand that you know nothing at all. It's like this very weird, like, okay, you're a teenager. And you're like, I have all the answers. Like, ah. And then you get your twenties. You're like, I have all the answers. And then you get into thirties and like forties. And you're like, I don't know anything at all. And it's just like, is everything real? Is everything true? And then you really start to question like, like the norms and the societal, like how things should roll. Like it, it's very interesting. And I think when it comes to like, like body stuff and it's just like how the media tries to control how people should look. 
and they really, really focus on women. Like it, it is, I mean, it's, it's out there. Like people can like look it up. I'm not just like making that fact up, but like the media focuses on women and their insecurities. And that's how we get these unrealistic beauty and body standards. And now we have men out here saying that they're also being targeted about like on their insecurities and how their bodies should look like. And a lot of men don't feel comfortable like saying it. Cause you know, like, Oh, emotions are for girls. Like, but we're all just being targeted through our insecurities through the media. And it's just like, they just will not stop. Like, it, and it, it's really wild. Cause like I'm, I'm behind the scenes. I've worked with all the larger corporations and I've, I've, I've been New York fashion week in London, all that stuff. And it's wild how we have more information, but we've gone 10 years back. Like when it comes to all, just all the levels yeah. of, of my identity and like, if you notice, like the body positivity got really, really big um, in like 2020, 2021, um, it was really huge. And you start seeing different bodies on runways, women in wheelchairs, women with like darker skin and vitiligo. Now, if you look at like the New York Fashion Week now, recently it's been, they've gone back to, what do they call it? Heroin chic now, almond mom status. Oh, it's, really? Yeah. Like in the fashion industry, if, if for people who know, and to follow these things, we're going backwards, you know. Uh, almond mom is in reference to one of the models' mom saying, "Just eat an almond." Is yes. that right? I heard yes. that story from my kids. Yes. I thought it was it's, wild. It's crazy, and we're going. We're literally going backwards. And like for people like me who are activists, people who've been activists back in the eighties, it's like a slap in the face. It's like we've done all this work just for the media to say, "Yeah, you're not worthy again." Your body was just a trend for 2020 and 2021 during the, you know, the riots, like we were trying to look good and now we're going backwards. Now we don't want you guys anymore. You guys are too black, too fat to this. And it, it's a kick in the, it's a kick in the balls, honestly. Yeah. So I, I, I have daughters. I have only daughters and a granddaughter and a wife. I'm surrounded by women. And again, they're the most mysterious creatures on earth. I'll never really understand them. I do try my best, but I, I can't say that I get it. I don't. Hard. <laughs> it's just not something I, I, you know, I try to get it. I don't totally get it, but I'm okay with that because I'm not stepping on their toes from, <laughs> from the male perspective. I read a study that said you're far more likely to make a million dollars to have a million dollars in the bank than you are to have six pack abs. And oh, wow. yet, you know, this is a very guy thing. This is a guy goal. I don't know how many girls want six pack abs, but this is like the pinnacle of guy goals with bodies. And yet this is what, you know, we're shown all the time. This was my biggest physical goal was to have abs, you know, and I worked my ass off to get abs and I had them and like, it was so hard and it's not, it's not a way that you're like going to ever live your life because you have to only focus on this, having these abs, you know, your entire life becomes revolves around having abs. So like, it, it, I get it from that perspective because it's a really unrealistic goal for guys, unless you're, you know, uh, genetically gifted. It's right. going to take your entire concentration to get there and maintain that. And it's virtually impossible. Like even bodybuilders, they probably have abs year round, but they don't have the physique you see on stage year round. And the guys on Instagram who are constantly showing us their abs and they're the ones we're going like, yeah, I want to look like that. It's just super unrealistic for most people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I do understand what you're talking about in those terms from a male perspective. We also yeah. have these absurd standards that we're shooting for. Um, yeah. I, I, I do. Oh, I do want to say that I think it's much rougher on women. Um, I think that you guys are scrutinized a lot more than we are. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky thing. I don't, I, you know, again, I don't know what it's like to be a girl, but, but, um, I do see how rough it is on my kids. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I don't want women to feel like they, like every little thing is going to be like picked on. Um, so I know what that feels like. And, and especially being like a plus size model in the industry, uh, I definitely have had some situations uh, on, on set where I was treated differently than the thinner models or, you know, othered, even by the models sometimes. Yeah. And so it's just not, I always tell people like, they're like, oh, you're a plus size model. That's so cool. And I'm like, if you only knew how many times I've cried in the bathroom <laughs> because the thinner models were like, treating me like I wasn't shit or the staff would like push me to the side to make way for the thinner girls or them even having a lot of clothes options and me having, you know, like a little couple items on the rack that are not even cute. It's every time I turn around, it is something that I have to face. I think people have to understand that and have sympathy and empathy for other people who are marginalized because it's not just like, oh, people are complaining or like, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstrap we always hear that that stupid ass term that i cannot stay in like i love that term because i've heard it so many times i'm like you just don't get it like it doesn't it, if it doesn't affect you then it doesn't happen right but that's just not how the world works like things affect people in different ways and you have to be open to that and be like you know what let me sit here and listen like i haven't been fat shamed or body shamed but let me listen to this story because this is a legitimate concern for you and how can we help change that um yeah. I just, some people just rather be ridiculous and close-minded and and not have sympathy sympathy for others yeah yeah the the thing that is very confusing for me about fashion is uh, i'm not particularly attracted to that body type the very very thin girls i always thought that kind of looked sickly but i you know, I, I rationalize these things in my head, you know, like airplane seats. They've never been comfortable. They're not comfortable now. I've lost a lot of weight. They're still not comfortable. I don't have to buy two seats. That's a relief, okay. um, you know. So, yeah. Um, but like in my mind, I'm going like, well, they're they're averaging out body sizes. They're going, what's the smallest seat we can put the largest number of people in? And that's what they do and they have to make money. And so I'm rationalizing it that way. In fashion, I don't think, I don't walk around and see all that many people who look like those models. In fact, it's like very rare to see people who look like that. Why is that the standard that they're selling clothes with? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've had this conversation many times with like designers and plus models and, and mid-sized models, super plus. We've had this conversation and what it comes down to is I think, um, who said it? I think it might have been, he got canceled. Uh, it was a lot of a fashion people get, can't get canceled because they say ridiculous things. But I think it was a guy who was over Victoria's Secret. Um, he made a comment about trans models and also fat models. Um, and he said that they're selling a fantasy. That's what they're selling. Mm. And so people are also going off of self-hate, right? Like in the plus size model industry, for instance, um, I asked one of like the CEOs, you only use a certain kind of plus size model. Usually they have, you know, no chin. They look basically like small people parading as fat people. They're small, but you're saying they're plus size. Like, why don't you use like a, you know, size 22 model? And they were like, when we post that size 22 model, none of the plus size shoppers will buy those clothes. When we post it on a smaller girl, it sells out. Mm. And so that's self-hate right there, right? And it's just like, well, I don't want to see my own self. Like, I want to see what I could be. Right. So all these industries are playing off this fantasy, this dream of like the 5% of how people look, right? Um, it's like you said, these people are like very far in and wide there there's not normal normal models just walking around the streets like sometimes you'll see one but that's not normal and so people are playing off that fact like self-hatred is so real and so i think in ingrained in a lot of these communities and a lot of these workplaces and a lot of families that we don't even want to see ourselves win or anyone who looks like us win yeah and so when I see people, I call it fat on fat crime. When I see other fat people dissing other fat people, it is the most infuriating thing ever. And I see it a lot in this industry. This is like, ma'am, we <laughs> are in this together. Fat on fat crime. Ma'am, we are in this together. And how dare you openly attack another fat person and we're in the same industry fighting the same fight and you're attacking them on their body? It is wild to me. Yeah. It's so so with all that said, it's like it is so ingrained. Like we want to, we want to sell, we want to buy in fantasies. I think we're very good at lying to yourselves because literally lying to ourselves. Because as you're telling that story, I'm realizing that every article of clothing I've ever bought and put on, I look at in the mirror and I think this doesn't look good. This doesn't look as good as the way I saw it hanging on the mannequin. You know, I, I it. It was forever before I could go to a department store and buy a suit. I used to have to go to a special store. Now I can go and buy a suit at a department store and I get home and I put the suit on and I think this doesn't look like it looked on the mannequin. 
and I'll literally create, I'll doctor an image in my head, like a photoshopped image of my face on the mannequin from my memory and go, okay, now it looks okay. Is yes. that not crazy? <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> See, you, you have a, this is like that, but that's your fantasy, fantasy body, right? Yeah. And we all have that. Like, and another thing that I can't stand is hashtag body goals. Like, you know how they'll, they'll pick a celebrity like Tiana Taylor, who has the most amazing abs ever. Her whole body's pretty. I mean, she looks good. I don't know if it's genetics or surgery. I don't know. I, but her body looks great aesthetically. But and but abs on a girl is unbelievably rare. It's oh, like yeah. She has abs like her abs are abbing. And so everyone's like, oh, hashtag body goals. Let me put down the sandwich. So I look like Tiana. Like, OK, so you putting down a sandwich it's not going to get you anywhere near Tiana Taylor's body. So can we please stop with this fantasy body goals? Like I have a saying also, cause I hate the, I hate it so much. I am my own body goals. So if I, let's say start exercising six times a week and start lifting weights heavy and, you know, high protein, I want to look like a better version of myself and however that version looks, I am my own body goals. Like we have to really start cutting out that fantasy body type because yeah. the suit looks good on you because you're wearing it. Right. Not, you know what I mean? Not because the model has it on. And so we really like, if if people don't get anything else from this podcast session is that we, stop it. Like you are your own body goals. You look great in that outfit because you have it on and because you like it. And this is, this is very profound because I think it's, it's very difficult to not do comparisons. This is uh, this is for me. This is a natural thing. I see a really nice tricep. I want to work on my triceps more and make them like that nice tricep without realizing I've done a lot of work on my triceps and they're they're pretty good. You know what I mean? Like, I think I think that that's an interesting first step for me. I am my own body goals. How what can I do with my body? And, and that's a I really like that a lot. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, I try to use it for myself all the time when I'm just like, I wear something. I'm like, ew, not your stomach poking out. Uh, and I'm just like, yeah, okay, your, stomach po your stomach's poking out. But I best believe when I go out in that dress that I was like, oh, I should wear like a Spanx or something to flatten my stomach. Somebody's going to be like, girl, yes, that dress. Love it. Love it on you. Because like no one, I think we folk, we hyper focus on things on ourselves that other people don't necessarily see. So we have to also understand too, like your perception versus other people's perception is not the same. Like you might be like, oh, my tricep or oh, this fupa. But the other person's like, oh, great tricep. Oh, love that dress on you. Like, it's just like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's wild how people perceive us versus how we perceive ourselves. And I think we're a lot harsher on ourselves than the people around us who love us and, and enjoy our company and, and just strangers on the street who might just like how you look. Uh, we're a lot harsher on ourselves. And so I also am working on like being more gentle with myself as I would with a friend or with a stranger, you know, because I feel like we're nicer to strangers than we are to ourselves sometimes. And like, that's not OK. That's not right. Yeah. Yeah. Leah, I, I love your energy. I love what you're doing. Thank you very much. This has been such a fun conversation with for me, and I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you as well. And now for the Q&A. Today's question comes from Scott. Hi, Scott. Scott says, hi, Ethan. I've recently lost about 160 pounds in an effort to get my knee replaced. Nice. He says, I'm lifting weights and hopefully building muscle. 
My question is, you lost a lot of weight, but your skin looks fairly tight still. How long did it take for your skin to come back after weight loss? Did you do anything to help it besides build muscle to fill it in? Well, Scott, what a can of worms you have opened. (laughs) Um, Well, let me say this first. Thank you so much for saying that my skin looks fairly tight. That is such a nice compliment. Um, my, my own perception of my skin is not that it's fairly tight. It's that it's very loose and saggy. Um, and yes, I had two big surgeries to remove skin. There's one or two pictures of me with my shirt off on my own Instagram or floating around the internet. And if you look very closely, you can see scars that, uh, are just evidence of having skin removed skin is an organ um once it grows very very large uh the determining factors on it being either elastically stretched or actually grown to a new point from which it can be elastically stretched are largely determined to by by genetics and also, the the time under tension is a factor here. You know, uh, some pregnant women can uh, stretch out their abdomens very, very large, have their kid uh, lose whatever excess baby weight they put on very, very quick, and their skin was only stretched. It did not grow large. And then some women get pregnant and take a little bit more time in getting rid of the baby weight and will have saggy skin in their abdomen. Um, this is the same kind of principles of being overweight. If you're very overweight for a very long time, chances are you're going to have loose and saggy skin. The only thing that will mitigate that is surgery. Um, there's no lotions or minerals or types of diet that are going to reduce the actual skin size. Skin is an organ. Once it, once it has grown large, you have to cut it off to make it smaller. Um, building muscle helps a little bit, but like um, if you think about uh, how dense muscle tissue is compared to fat tissue, the amount of muscle you would have to put on to fill up all the loose skin would actually weigh quite a bit more than the fat. So like you lost 160 pounds, you're going to have to put on, you know, 260 to fill that skin because it's smaller. The muscle is smaller than fat. So that's not a great strategy because putting on that much weight at all is going to be unhealthy. Um, so yeah, I have tons of loose skin. I try to hide it as much as I can because I don't like it. I've had some cut off, um, which was brutal. I've done podcast episodes about this and made posts about it on Instagram. Um, but loose skin is is a real thing. Yeah, makes total sense. Yeah, I, I, I could send... Um Scott, actually, those podcasts where you talked about it because it's you go so in depth and and you know get so um, specific on that. So, okay, well, Scott, congratulations on your weight loss, and thank you so much for the question. If anyone else has a question for Ethan, you know you do. Send it to us at americanglutton.net. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs>